and welcome to the podcast where good trivia gets rewarded and bad lies are punished. This is What's the Fact. Yes, welcome to the show. I'm Ryan Whittle. This is Warren Robertson, and we are delighted to have you join us. And it is a very nice one. We're going a little bit back in time. You know, they don't make movies like they did in the past, you know. And songs neither. They don't make songs. They don't do nothing like they did in the past. Yeah, you can tell You can tell this is we're talking about old movies because it's, we're calling it cinema. Ah, yes. Classic cinema. <laughs> Classic cinema. No, but, I'm, I'm not one of those oaks. Uh, I won't, like, as much as I love 80s music, I'll never be that about music or movies because eras are eras. And I won't say they make better movies in the past than no, they do now. No, I won't say no. that. But, but the thing is, they actually make worse ones, right? So, <laughs> no, genuinely. So there's a theory, right? That like, like now in the modern... No, so there's a theory that it is, this is what happens, right? And it's, it's, it happens with everything. Everything improves as time passes. Yes. So if you think about comedy, how basic your sitcom idea was. Yes. I Love Lucy was very simple, very basic. It's not funny anymore because the jokes are very set up, very telegraphed, and you can see the punchline. Yes. Then along comes Friends, and Friends is about a very set kind of group of characters in a very specific scenario, mm-hmm. and it does specific things in its era that people love. Yes. And then come the things that develop off of Friends and start spinning that idea and maybe twisting it a bit. Mm. So you start getting, my name is Earl. And then from that, it starts going into, into later versions. And now, and then you've got community. And now you've got kind of Rick and Morty and these to- and, you know, Bojack Horseman, which is phenomenal. Um, everything evolves and everything builds mm. on the things before. Yes. So technically, the stuff that ha- is being created now is going to be better because they, they look at all the clever tricks that were done before them. They've got mm. 40 years of tricks that mm. have come before them. Whereas classic cinema, they didn't have the tricks. And what made some of these movies so great was that they invented the tricks or that they did the things yeah. that, that had never been done for the first time or they made people feel emotions they'd never felt before mm. while watching a movie. So sometimes classics aren't necessarily better. You think about how simple the Beatles is and how simple music is, like how complex music can be now Yes, in terms of, you know what what makes a really good song now yeah it things always have to keep evolving so when we talk about classic cinema we're talking about movies that hopefully made a stamp on on time their own time yeah were impressive enough within their own time that we still recognize them to this day and then of course for us what what is classic cinema it's got to be something that like i don't know maybe from before we were 10 years old, which is very different to most people who are listening to podcasts where they're like, oh, Jesus, you talk about movies from the 80s? That's fucking old shit. <laughs> you know? So, so um, yeah, classic cinema, we're, we're talking about like classic cinema, Absolutely. movies that, that have made a difference, I think, over time. Yeah. Um, and, and that have impacted definitely the movies and the stories that we tell now. Mm. I think that's very that classic. There we are. Definitely. Uh, interesting what makes a classic, but and why things endure, why pieces of art endure. But yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, I and I mean, it's it's arguable whether these things have endured. I mean, do do kids of today go back in time and watch these movies? You know, I've never gone back in time and watched movies pre-1930s or pre-1940s. I mean, for one reason, it's almost impossible. Many of those movies were lost. You know, there was a couple of fires that basically took out most of the movies, and now we simply can't see them again. Oh. But but um, but I've never made an effort to go back in time and really watch mm. anything more than a handful of of old movies. I had a go in lockdown, which is why I'm terribly excited about today's episode because uh, mm. it, it did blow my mind. It was beautiful. I uh, will get into, but I think I think it's your turn to start. Right. What right, are you going right. to hit us with? All right. Let me let me start with one that the internet knows, but Ryan Whittle may not. Okay. Um, it's a tale as old as the film. 
you know, maybe you've heard it, right? <laughs> the story goes hmm. that that in The Wizard of Oz, you know The Wizard yes, of Oz? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, 1939's The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Basically the movie that introduced the concept of color in films. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, this is this old it is, 1939. This is the year... That World War II broke out mm. is how old this film is. Um, and this is a story from then. And, and the story is, and this is the, the story, is that on set, one of the little people who played a munchkin <laughs> yes. uh, committed suicide. Oh, my word. By hanging themselves. Ooh. And if you watch the movie. Oh, no. There's, there's a few frames where you can actually see them. Oh, the the hanging munchkin. You see the hanging munchkin. Now, Ryan, this oh. is why I said it so sternly and seriously because I didn't want you to smile at it. I didn't want you to laugh because no. there's nothing funny. There's nothing funny about a hanging munchkin. It's not like a pinata or anything. You can't look at the hanging. It's not full of sweets. It's not funny, Ryan. It's very serious, but it's it's unfortunately true. Is my fact. Oh. Okay, uh, some of the songs. Uh, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of mm. that song. Is that then? Oh, somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere over the oh, rainbow. What a classic! Yeah. Oh wow, Judy Garland is her name. Hey? Judy Garland. Yeah. Judy Garland. Oh wow. Um, oh, no, she she obviously very famously. Listen, the stories of this particular set are very very dark. There's a wow. lot of quite dark stories of from, the whole set from, of, from, of the of whole Oz? production of the really? Wizard of Oz yeah there's I mean for one thing Judy Garland was kind of like she was too young and she was being treated like an adult and kind of like you know in modern era you talk about senior Hollywood executives being creepy with young girls and that you know what happened on that set and in her career led to massive drug addiction oh and then there were some serious injuries and stuff on the set so so the set itself carries some like quite a lot of dark stories but this one is very famously the most dark of them all yeah i i think this is an urban legend urban myth uh i as you were telling it to me and then me sitting out for a bit, I think I've heard it before, but it's but in the category of urban legend, urban myth, I don't think it's true. Golly, 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 golly. Uh, and, and so I'm going to say the fact is, is a lie. Yes, it's endured as an urban myth, urban legend, but I, and maybe you can see a munchkin that seems to be hanging in a tree. In the distance, but no, I don't think a munchkin. So let me, let me tell you a little bit stuff. like why we still talk about it to this day. Because <clears throat> I mean, obviously, with the with the, the number of incidents on set and the things that happened, it was it literally was a story right from the very beginning, uh, and it carried through in time, and it really got given new impetus when they released a fiftieth anniversary edition in 1989 which is why it actually plays out particularly for like our generation just kind of our all right coming to awareness of pop culture yes you know um they released this 50th anniversary and in the lead up to that these the story surfaced again and people were renting the video from video stores and they were pausing it and they were analyzing it and now then you suddenly start getting early internet and people are talking about and showing the paused images and discussing it on early chat forums and whatever so that's why it's actually stuck as an enduring memory particularly for us because it's one of those as i say right about when we first start noticing these things in the world and then and then it gets carried over into the early internet with chat rooms and forums and that sort of stuff and it you know people have got the the facility to pause the movie for the 
for you know the first time in properly a good yeah. version of the movie for the first time. So that's why it's kind of stuck around in our our minds. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna okay. I hear you, and I'll still say the fact itself is 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 not true. You know the rumor and the urban mm. myth that I, I've heard, but I don't. I think. I don't think it can be confirmed as being true. Well, they would have known. Production would have known. My God, there's a dead guy in the tree. Cut. Uh, no pun intended. So when the so director again, calls again, cut, I'll say no. Quite, so, 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 so on that, I'm just going to like take you into movie making. I'm not saying you're wrong or I'm trying okay. to change your mind or okay. anything, but I'm just saying it, at that time when they went into uh, movies, remember, everything was filmed on reels. So you kind of filmed four takes of a thing on yes. movie reel you yes, didn't have a yes. digital version no. that you could go back and forth and then you cut it that's right to you literally literally yep. cut the yep. cut the film yep. and you stitched it together so it's definitely yep. not a feature i'm not saying it's a thing that like you can see what i'm saying is so what it is is it actually happens when they're singing we're off to see the wizard about yes. 45 minutes into the movie yeah um it's the tin man scarecrow and dorothy yeah. are on the are on the uh, yellow brick road and they're moving towards us okay Singing, we're off to see the wizard, yeah. and there is a, you know, a few few seconds where you can see it in the background. So, so the question is, did they see it and know it? Ah, okay. And then, and then, and then, ah, remove it, and then film two more takes or three more takes, or and did they try and avoid it? But this happened to be the only good take. Oh. On the day, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like well, so you haven't revealed your answer yet. No, eh? no, no, no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, 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 no, no, I'm, I'm definitely not saying you're wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with my, my, what I'm saying. Um, uh, it all depends on what the technicalities of your fact are. Um, but I'm saying uh, it didn't occur. It there was no suicide. So you're saying a munchkin. No munchkin. You can't see a munchkin. Is what you're saying. Maybe you can. But it's not from suicide. It might be a prop or it might be a person. But there's no suicide or dead munchkin okay. in the shot. Okay. So that's your final one. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> because it is, in fact, false. Yeah, it is, oh, it is thank false. thank God. Yeah. Um, oh, what a terrible thing that would be, <laughs> hey? Yes, like. Yeah, what it is is it's actually – so so they went they went they went to the you can see something that looks like like a munchkin hanging in the background. You can see what appears to be stop laughing, a very depressed munchkin in the background hanging off in the forest. Okay. But what it is is they went to a local zoo because they, they're outside, right? And they went and they borrowed a bunch of birds from the local zoo and they let them loose in the studio. Because they were like, oh, if they appear in the background, it'll be really nice because this is supposed to be outside, but we're filming it in a studio. Yeah. Um and what that is, that particular thing, is it's a crane. So you can't see its really Jeez, thin, you can't see its really thin, stalky legs. You can just see the fat body and the long neck, and it looks mm. like it's hanging, like mm. a hanging munchkin. But what it is is it's a crane, um, and it is it became it's this absolute phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, oh, my flipping word. You can see you can see some of these birds in other scenes. There's one where there's a live peacock outside the Tin Man's shack. While Dorothy and Scarecrow are attempting to revive him, 
there's yeah like but in this case it's it's definitely a bird with a fat body and a long neck and very skinny little some people say it's an emu vast majority of sources say it's a crane um but yeah but geez you want to hear about a dark set like this these days this thing would be cancelled after day one i mean just another stuff buddy ebsen who was originally cast to play the tin man he ended up in an iron lung after using the silver makeup on his skin (laughs) which contained toxic aluminium powder I mean, very famously, Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch, suffered from second-degree burns on her face during during Jeez. filming. Uh, and after that, her stunt double also experienced severe burns on the inside of her legs when a, a broomstick exploded. This broomstick was essentially like a massive firework. But then, I mean, it was just like the the, the whole the whole thing is a disaster. Like classic classic movies. You know, I mean, at Jeez. the same time, there's also these, these stories of quite ingenuity. You know how they did the swap between the sepia real world and the colorful, because this was their introduction to a colorful uh, world in movies. So they had the whole first lead up, the real world was all filmed in sepia. And then they had to do the swap between sepia to the to the magical land of Oz. What they did was they literally dressed everybody in sepia and did sepia uh, makeup on them and then had doubles playing the characters revealed in full color as the change happened over to oh, Wizard of Oz. Wow. So they, they, there was no simple filter you could smash on this thing back in the day. They had to dress one cast in, in full sepia and the other one in full color and then wow. film it like that with a but color, what a, what with a a, color camera. Um, explosion, what a revelation. So, so you're saying in Kansas, it's still black and white then well yeah it's it's like a sepia color yeah. okay yeah, and then yeah. and then and then when you enter oz it's right this so, and they explosion. filmed it with a full color camera they filmed, filmed oh, it with man. a full color color camera but they just had the characters and the backgrounds and the set and everything was was in in that kind of you know monochromatic coloring Jeez. that they used to and then and then when oz came in it came in in full color oh, and it was this like wood Mind must blowing. have literally blown minds. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. an incredible fact, yeah, absolutely incredible fact. And um, I I keep forgetting one of the most amazing humans of all time. I keep forgetting his name. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but besides him, <laughs> there's the the guy who produced Muhammad uh, Ali. No, he produced Thriller. The black music producer uh, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. Because did you know? Fun fact. Because you brought up Wizard of Oz. That of course. Um, the Motown did a version of of Oz where yes, Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson was played in it, yeah. the Scarecrow, and Dinah Ross was was Dorothy, uh, and the dude who wrote the music for Wizard of Oz was certain Quincy Jones. He scored it, uh, and that's where he met Michael, and that's when they started talking about Michael leaving the Jackson Five. So Quincy produced um, Off the Wall with him, which was his first debut, but then of course. They carried on, and Quincy produced Thriller and Bad. I don't think, dan- but Dangerous. I think Michael had gone, had left, left Quincy, but they met on Wizard of Oz because because Quincy scored it. Lovely. Ah, Wizard of Oz, man. Oh, that's a beautiful fact. I'm glad no munchkins were harmed in the right? making of this fact. Yeah. In Shoot. fact, in fact, listen. That particular scene, it's so wrong that that particular scene was shot. Before the Munchkins had even been hired, so that particular scene there were no Munchkins even on set yet. So, so where this rumor came from, or why? I mean, it, it does. You know, when you see it, it does look a, a bit like somebody hanging from the tree, a bit. But there's a million other things it could be as well, and, and it's it's really stuck. You know, it's stuck to the point that when I arrived here this evening, 
uh, to shoot this podcast. Um, our, our editor was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Munchkin, you, you, you committed suicide. <laughs> yeah. What a moron you are, Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, um, that's, that is a very, very lovely fact. And um did it didn't it happen and and that that leads into my first fact about which is a a biographical one and i i think uh if i'm told if i'm sold on something then i'll go and watch it like people say you've got to watch that uh, recommendation and i got to give credit to uh a youtube channel that needs no more subscribers uh watchmojo.com i like those <laughs> right, videos. No, they need they need zero <laughs> and i think if they go the, the 10 best sort of classic movies of all time sorry then i just one. watch mojo we've now shouted you out it's only right yeah, yeah, yeah. only yeah. right to <laughs> shout us out. <laughs> the 10 most underrated podcasts of all time yeah number one, number one. Number one. Yeah, um <laughs> and i think if they say you got to watch these 10 classics then then i that one am i then i'll Give it a go. And in, in lockdown, um, I thought I'd give a go to some classics like my first fact for today, Lawrence of Arabia. I thought you were going to say Deep Throat. <laughs> is it a classic? Is it a, I think it's a classic? classic. I mean, it's a horrifying classic, but it is one. <laughs> so I loved it. It's long, but that's okay. I don't know why it didn't bother me. The length didn't bother me. I found it wonderful. And there's a few reasons. There's many reasons it's wonderful, but the big ones are the setting. It's really beautiful. That uh, it must be the Arabian mm. Desert. I actually can't tell you what desert, but the desert is beautiful. The music is beautiful. That's another one. Uh, and Peter O'Toole's acting, I thought, was wonderful. Wonderful. I mean, he's a historical character, fraught with bullshit, right? Like Ooh, a, Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Middle East problem wouldn't exist if it weren't for Lawrence. Yeah. Arabia, essentially, but uh, yeah, he's a, you know, and so which things are true which things aren't true and and then I, this puzzles me cuz cuz a movie like the one about Amadeus you know not everything in there is true and then mm. then part of me goes and there's a movie called The Favorites about one of the queens and mm. she was no quite often these things get filled in you know i think on a previous podcast we talked about historical mm. fiction mm. and how these things are quite often just kind of imagined retellings of a yeah. thing and yeah, I feel and, like Lawrence of Arabia lent quite heavily on that. Yes, and but for whether it's true or not, what what you can't deny is it's this force, this moment in history, in time and space. Oh, that as a goes, movie, definitely. Wow. Yeah. yeah, as as a person, and then and then a movie. So there was the reason for the movie, but the person was a he was a thing, a talking point, and the movie became this thing. Mm. Beautiful mm. movie. Um, sure. Now, one of the things in the movie is that he. Um, orchestrated so he his first big thing is to conquer a port city called Aqaba I think uh it's called I think it's called Aqaba that's what he did and then suddenly they're full-on warfare with the Ottoman Empire the Turks and he's now blowing up the um railway line between Medina and Damascus uh my fact is that it, it makes the movie makes out as if it's his idea they were doing it months before that the French and the British wasn't Lawrence's idea. That's I mean, one of quite a few things. Definitely. There's historical inaccuracies throughout that movie. I do not know the real truth of this, but I'm going to say, yes, that was one of the many numerous historical inaccuracies of this particular movie because they definitely glorify the guy, right? Like they don't yeah. make a big deal out of him. When history sort of 
Yeah. <laughs> he's, yes. He's a questionable character. Yeah. So I mean, maybe he, you know, maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. But I like to, I like to jump immediately upon the fact, the fact that a movie could potentially be historically inaccurate. And if that movie is Lawrence of Arabia, then <laughs> I, I'm doubly keen to believe that it could be historically inaccurate. You're about to tell me it's true. I am. You're right. <laughs> Clever boy. It's uh, he did. Definitely continue blowing up uh, the railway lines, but it wasn't his idea and, and, and it was being done before. So that's part of the thing is like, he's this isolated hero, but no, there's, there's people around him doing things, but he definitely did enough to stand out mm. and to make a, a big splash. And he was, he was provocative enough in, in his, uh, the way he embraced and uh, manipulated, embraced whatever word you want to use there, the Arabian people, uh, Pretty, pretty fascinating. Of course, the big question that that people will always wonder about is, is the Turkish prison stuff, did it really happen? There's a Turkish prison scene. And... Was that Midnight Express? Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, those were like, Turkish prison know, oof, scenes of God. serious. Yeah, so that was an excellent film. It yeah. was. Oof, yeah. Um, and and so people will always wonder, and it's it's almost like he it's based on a book called The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, Lawrence of Arabia, which he wrote himself, T. E. Lawrence. <laughs> imagine imagine how arrogant you have to be to be like, here are the seven smartest things said by a human being, and that human being is me. <laughs> like it's fuck fuck you. It's like the Buddha writing his own the Buddha, five stars, awesome guy. <laughs> Like he doesn't speak like and, that, and the he, Buddha. <laughs> and Lauren, it was mysterious about what happened, but I think he suggested that he was sort of violated in that Turkish prison scene. And then the movie doesn't know what to do with it, but the movie, I'd say, they want to suggest that he was. And then, and then it's it's like, did he go there knowingly that he was it was going to happen to him? Because that's also a suggestion. A historical suggestion. It's all rather mysterious about the Turkish I mean, prison scene. Yeah, as far as I know, that's a historical open end anyway. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> oh, Lawrence. I don't use open end casually there. A beautiful movie. Music setting. <laughs> you had a very Donald Trumpian. Beautiful movie. Love good that. people. Good Great people. Movie. Beautiful movie. Oh, my favorite line from the movie is. There's a dude, today they're calling it uh, cultural appropriation because he plays an Arab uh, chief, but he's British. But that dude still did a nice performance. But um, he's having a conversation with Lawrence and uh, and he says to Lawrence, he says, you know, why do you British love the desert? People think us Arabs love the desert. We don't. We love water and green trees. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just found that so funny. I mean, it is one. Of, yeah, I mean, it is one of those movies where, you know, like it can only exist in its time. Just even calling it Lawrence of Arabia, like Larry of Arabia, like Lawrence is firstly a name that has gone very heavily out of fashion, and of Arabia, it's it's got that Jesus of Nazareth mm -hmm. kind of oh, feel yes, to it. You know what yes, I mean? Like does, yeah. that kind of arrogance of the British to be like, oh no. It's Lawrence. It's not Mohammed or Mustafa of, of Arabia. It's Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. Lawrence is of Arabia. You know. No, Lawrence is of Chiswick, you know, like <laughs> Lawrence grew up in some fucking part of yeah, yeah, some yes. dodgy part of England. Like, you know, he's not he's not Lawrence of Arabia, he's Lawrence of Somerset and occasionally of, of Cornwall, you know, like it's not it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This fucking colonial idea that Lawrence owned the Middle East 
Fuck off. <laughs> Lawrence is a British asshole who fucked up the. Let's not. Okay. Let's not, I'm, I'm going to let that like one slide. No, I, I like, like this. But holy shit, did they love a Middle Eastern movie back in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s? They, they could, if they could film something in the Middle East, some mm-hmm. sort of giant epic. Yes. Uh, Cleopatra, obviously, yes. this massive, you know, wor- water world of its day, mm-hmm. huge sets in LA. Liz Taylor. Liz Taylor, hey? Yeah, Liz Taylor, yeah. that's right. The Ten Commandments. Do you oh, yes. Ten Commandments? oh, yes. I love yeah, that. Yeah. So there's, there's that. these big kind of grandiose Middle Eastern adventures. And um, Ben-Hur. You may have Ooh. heard of this one. 1959's Ben-Hur. Oh, I still haven't seen it, man. Yeah, but so I starring, will. I went, starring I will. Charlton Heston. Yeah. He's this kind of tangential character to to Jesus you know he's sort oh, of he's sort of living in the same, era of Jesus and he's, but he's having adventures from being like a slave in a galley to very famously mm. taking part in a chariot race Ooh. and uh, and obviously there's a there's a big story about about the chariot race absolutely epic i mean you know these days we couldn't imagine filming a chariot race the way they did it you know the, we talk about like if we do a gladiator movie we did we did gladiator Yes. Starring Russell Crowe and Gladiator, yes. what they did was they built a quarter of the stadium, yes. and then they they kind of digitally placed that quarter of the stadium the whole way around, and they okay. saved money. Paint, but yeah, with Ben Hur, they they basically built an entire stadium set, and they filmed the Jeez. whole thing. It was this insane big production that took all day. An actual chariots racing. An actual chariots Ooh. racing. Yeah, and that's that's where my fact comes in is that uh, a stuntman during the filming of the epic uh, chariot race in in Benner, uh died during the during the race and mm. and if you watch the movie it's like the munchkin factors <laughs> if you watch the movie just for a few seconds you can see that stuntman die and it, I'll, I'll even I'll even go so far as to tell you exactly when it happens the the, the chariots come around a corner mm. you know as they do in their, mm. in their big line and the chariot hits a bump and it bounces and then, and then you can't really see what's happening, but the guy falls off and the chariot rides over him. So somehow he, he sort of falls off and then, yeah. And that's apparently the moment when, when he died. So it bounces the, the, the it chariot. Kinda like a, you know, it kind of like, it sort of must have hit something rough in the, you know, they didn't have. Was, they it, didn't, was it Michelin or, or, no. or, or was it uh, Goodyear? No, it wasn't. It, this isn't like Formula One, you know. It's not like, <laughs> I don't have like this isn't yeah, damn you, Pirelli, ruined Alpine's year with your constantly degrading tires, ruined Ben Hur with your constantly <laughs> degrading chariot. No, it's it's these hard wheels and obviously they can't make the ground perfectly flat. So it, mm. it hit a bump in the thing and it the chariot just took off, you know, like it oh. took off and the guy fell off and got driven over by the chariot Ooh. and trampled a wee bit, I suppose. I don't I don't, you know. Because you can't really see what happened. It's a few Ooh. seconds, but people point to that and circle it and go, that's the moment the stuntman died. And obviously they're trying not to not to put it in, but it's a, it's a single shot. So it's a very long single shot of them coming around the corner. So you can see all and then and then off screen. And the the bounce happens almost as it's as it's coming off screen. So you can almost see why they're like, it's a cracking shot. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Put it in. <laughs> like you can Send almost, almost see they a did bunch it. of flowers. Yeah. I mean, um, so so according to many of the sources, not all the sources, many of the sources for this story say that the widow, like, fucking strongly objected. Yeah, I sent them numerous letters saying, please take him the fuck out of the movie. But, but they were like, 
nah, this is oh. too good. Like, because the, the chariots, I mean, they're all in different colors and they line up coming around that corner. Mm. You could, and then, and then it happens, you know, you see the lead chariot disappear and then this one, uh, oh. just as it's going off and you think, oh, Oh, it's, a money cracking, shot, it's a cracking shot. It's a cracking Fucking shot. Money and that's where they like yeah. pause it, and, and yeah, you can see him fall off, and you can see him go under the thing. And that's We've that's spent the actual... all this money, built all these sets, got all these extras, all this okay. thing. And you have you are insensitive enough to die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. look, but look. So also, just just as a corollary to this, there are a lot of movies in which people died on set, and then they say, "Oh, you can see it in the final footage." You know, um, the munchkin, nobody even had to die for them <laughs> to say that. But but the crow, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. when with Brandon Lee, yes, yes. He, he got shot in an incident and, and people say, oh, you can see the final footage from that incident in, you can't. Okay. So there's a lot of stories where, mm-hmm. where that is a thing. Just to, this is just one example of such an event. Wow. Well, um, my, my knee jerk reaction which is something that stuntman won't ever be able to do again <laughs> maybe he did it was his last uh, movement uh was um, is, uh, well, he definitely did a movement you, 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 that's that is literally the last thing we do when we die is we do a movement Anyway, that's what they say wear clean underpants so that you can shit in them when you get hit by a bus well we get some fun facts on this show don't we ladies and gentlemen Um, so I mean I'm inclined to go yes it did happen it's just it's about the legalities and the ethics are they allowed to oh today certainly absolutely fucking not (laughs) no definitely (laughs) like back then there, hey. were no, there, there literally were no rules. There were no rules. You know, I mean, so one of the things about this was apparently the um, the stunt coordinator was, you know, I mean, basically they just used the horses, you know, because today you couldn't race chariot races against each other because the horses would get injured. Shit. But yes. now, you know, I mean, now you can't do it. But then yes. it's, this, it's this massive problem, you know. Mm. There was also, I don't think it would have had those Scythian chariots, but those are ones with little like weird weapons coming out of them. No, uh, so they, yeah, no, they've got traditional kind of cars and Wow. But I mean, I'm, heavy, I'm, you know? I'm still inclined to say that your fact is actually true. Uh, this time it's true. We're not talking munchkins here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, you're just like, it's too tragic if it's a munchkin, but fuck the stunt guy. Ten little munchkins hanging in the tree. <laughs> Ten little munchkins. Oh, oh we are so cats. <laughs> so, but yeah, Ben Hurst saw a dead extra man, a dead stuntman. I'm going to say, yes, it's true. As I say, it is, it is in a long line of false dead stuntman things. Are you, are you sure? You know, there's a lot of oh, rumors. Oh, you're not telling me. Okay. No, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is there's a lot of movies, like I said with The Crow, where there's a story of a death on set that wound up in the final in the final scene. I'm saying that that's, that is a thing that happens in movies. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it like a... A Scythian chariot sword sticks to the kneecap of a Philistine. Wow, good one. Uh, Yeah, it's false. Okay. Yeah, it's false. It's absolutely like nonsense. The 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 shot exists. Yeah. Guy, you can see him sort of fall off, sort of like. Calls cuck, eh? Yeah, and, and and. But here's where the rumor comes in, right? So here, this one actually has a basis in reality. So 1959's Ben Hur is the famous one. 
starring Charlton Heston. Okay. There was a previous version made by MGN, the same studio, in 1926, Jeepers. in which a stuntman was in fact killed Shit. during the filming of the chariot race. Oh, dear. So, so, so what happens is it gets it gets kind of the waters and the stories get muddied between these two versions, the 1926 version and the 1959 version. According to a guy by the name of Kevin Brownlow, he wrote a book uh, called The Parades Gone By in 1969. What they wanted to do with the 1926 version was shoot um, the original race at the Circus Maximus, well, a recreation of the Circus Maximus in Rome. So they built this, this massive set, and then they had a day worth of chariot races during which the one stuntman died. And the guy, his name was Francis X Bushman. He played the character of Masala, who's the the bad guy's charioteer. Mm. He sort of explained in that book that during one take, we went around a curve, the wheel broke on the other fellow's chariot. I looked behind me and I saw he was 30 feet in the air and he landed on a pile of logs and he died. Oh. So he, he talks about that. But like this thing was brutal. It was genuinely like killer. There's a, there's a point in the final choreographed pileup Wow. Uh, where Masala finally dies in the chariot race in this in this 1926 version, where where five horses were were killed, oh the, the five horses Lord. got injured and were, were finally killed. So it's a it's a huge thing that that ultimately got carried over to to the 1959 movie. But in the 1959 movie, you know, there's no stories of anybody's dying. Okay. We would have yeah, we would have had a moment where. Um, where somebody said something. But even Charlton Heston's 1995 autobiography called In the Arena states that no one was seriously injured during the shooting of Ben-Hur. So, yeah, like 1959's Ben-Hur, absolutely clean. Okay. 1926's an absolute clusterfuck of death. <laughs> and, uh, and it's those oh. stories, yeah, it's those stories that have carried over to the 1959 one. So there you go. Man, I, I, I will watch Ben-Hur just because one must. It seems like one should. And I like Charlton Heston. He was uh, Moses, I think, in Ten Commandments, wasn't he Moses? Oh, I mean, I think it could so. have been. I'd... And uh, he plays this this beautiful character in one of these called um, Moses. No, and in, in this other movie that I, I loved, it's a very, very it seems like low budgety kind of set, A Man for All Seasons, because it's a stage play, and they made a movie of it, um, and it's very low budget movie, but beautiful acting, and he plays um, uh, Thomas More. Sir Thomas More, Charlton Heston, and it's a great performance. Love it. Oh man! So I will watch Ben Hur. I, I mean, will. give yourself give yourself seven hours. You know, like give yourself some time <laughs> to settle in and really, really enjoy it. I mean, you could probably like. I mean, the thing I found about it that was so interesting was how slow it was and how everybody delivers their lines with. Heavy, you know. It was one of one of the things I found about Laurence Olivier. You know, everybody's oh. like, "Oh, Laurence Olivier." What a great actor. But quite the cincher, old Laurence Olivier. <laughs> like, love to to really heavy-handedly deliver his lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he was he was selling you a piece of meat that if you didn't buy it, you're <laughs> going to die. <laughs> this meat. It's the most important thing you've ever and um great presence. I, but I, I don't mind that the Oaks who just they've got it, you know. What's the what's the guy, the scene tour from uh Gangs of New York and My Left Foot and Oh the uh, um the the actor, hey? Yeah, uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, again, a scene tour, you know, unafraid of absolutely making everything about him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what that's is that a, word? 
Scene-chua. Scene-chua, yeah. How do yeah, you like, spell that? What like, is that word? Well, scene. Yes. Like he stole the scene. He chewed oh, the scene. Scene-chua. Yeah, scene. Chua, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's that's the, the term you give to somebody who just really just eats up all the attention on set. And that's... Is that's it a, a, is it a, but that's a negative word, hey? Yeah, Daniel Day... Well, Daniel Day-Lewis is the last of them. See, with his blustery, weird accents and his over-the-top, oh, I drink your milkshake. You know, you don't get an actor yeah. like that anymore. Yeah. You don't, Actors these days, it's all about understating everything. And then they just keep giving the Oscars to these, oh, let me drink your milkshake. Kind of fucking, nobody speaks like that. What is going on here? Stop giving Daniel Day-Lewis the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> like, click, share if you agree that Daniel Day-Lewis is overrated. You're going to get such wonderful alternative perspectives on this podcast, but maybe <laughs> insightful too, and maybe um, and uh, you know, gonna, perspective shifting. I'm, I'm going to be that's... told exactly why Daniel Day-Lewis is the greatest actor of all time scene until the day I that. die. Yeah, until the day I die. Because he does. I remember the milkshake scene. I haven't even seen the whole movie, but someone sh- showed yeah. me the milkshake scene. Yeah, yeah. No, it's over the top. Nobody speaks like that. It's not a, like it's not a thing, you know. But it's also it's why Al Pacino is regarded as a great actor. He's also a massive scene show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing like. Yeah. yeah. And you think about even Jack Nicholson, great actor, great actor. But his most famous scene is where he's chewing the scenery. You go, you know, the truth, you can't handle the truth. You know that yeah. over the top fucking. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Fascinating. <laughs> to chew or not to chew the scene? No, Lawrence Olivier loved a bit of a scene chewing. And, and, and it comes out of an era where, where the movies, everybody was was broody and scenturian sort of like yeah these epic films they they demanded a certain level of i will have my revenge and Russell Crowe, <laughs> this day or the next kind of like yeah, <laughs> is a certain kind of film all right i'll be aware of that this is lovely next time i watch a scene chewing thing you're getting oh, a whatsapp in the middle of the night it's gonna you're gonna, ruin everything what's, everything you're gonna get a whatsapp in the yeah, middle of look the night. you never see it in a romantic comedy that's you know well, here's a chap I, I don't think was a scene chewer. I think he was quite just, uh, well, you might disagree with me. Uh, oh, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. You think he was a scene chewer? I mean, he's more understated than I think a lot of yeah. the people around him, to be perfectly honest. It's quite a good performance. It's quite, a, I mean, I quite yeah. like it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, DuckTales was when I first learned about Casablanca because they do that, that scene at the end, <laughs> old, the, the, big, the big pilot. Maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Yeah, he does that little scene in DuckTales. And it's, I thought that was such a beautiful scene. It was a beautiful TV show. We I mean, discussed it, it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But that was my um, introduction to Casablanca. And in lockdown, I also watched Casablanca. You know, I along often, with, I often um, say that the classic cartoons were my introduction to many things. Yeah. The number of times that, that your kind of classic Bugs oh, yeah. Bunny they would introduced have done, me to with opera the or you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yes, and all the music, yeah, the right. Mozart. Um, it's lovely. So Casablanca, uh, I did thoroughly enjoy, enjoy it. It's a beautiful, um, movie, uh, the story, roughly the setting, you know what the setting's about the time and the place, mm-hmm. do you know? Yeah, but you know, share. All right. So it's about, don't um, ask me questions. I know the answers to it's about <laughs> the second world war. Uh, Casablanca is in Morocco. And so the war is obviously taking place in Europe, and it's also starting to take place in North Africa and the Mediterranean. And so rich people from Europe 
are coming through, are crossing the Mediterranean. I don't know why. Or they, they're making their way to along the coast of the North Africa to Casablanca by a train, catching a flight from there to the neutral Portugal to Lisbon, and then uh, probably a ship to America or a plane to maybe a ship. I'm not. You sure. don't know why. Uh, well, they were they escaping the war in, in That's Europe. That's right, Ryan. That's right. That's right. You said I don't know why they're doing that. Of course, they're doing they're doing what yes. rich people do. So yes, they don't want to be involved doing, in war. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, in Casablanca, in Casablanca, there's this uh, cafe. It's an American American run cafe called Rick's Cafe or something. And uh, that's the scene where a lot of things start happening. And then some Germans rock up. The French are running it. There's Americans who want to get away. And there's rich people. But there's a lot of people who try and exploit the rich and try and sell them dodgy tickets. And and that's the setting of Casablanca. So it's it's really quite emotionally charged and highly dramatic um, emotionally because of and it all happens because at of emotions. Little, yeah. And it yeah. all happens at this little Rex Cafe. All the emotions. Um, all the emotions. <laughs> and there's a lovely twist. Uh, but um, the crazy thing is, this was, um, here's my fact. It was filmed during the Second World War. So it's about the Second World War, and it's filmed during the Second World War. That's my fact. No idea when it came out. I've literally, like, oh. Uh, I mean, but like, shit, hey? But was it filmed in Casablanca? I don't think so. Uh, like yeah. Star Wars was filmed in Casablanca. <laughs> I think Star Wars had some oh, really? scenes in, in Morocco, yeah. Oh, wow. um, I don't think so, because uh, truth be told, um, like the Rick's Cafe scene, you could do anywhere. So I yeah. think there was in a studio in LA, hey? Yeah. So you think it, it happened all pre the war, and then and then somebody took that story to LA and went, "Listen, boy, do I have a story for you? There's this place in Casablanca that could make the most romantic story you've ever heard in your entire life. <laughs> um, there's a piano player in it. These are the things I know about it so in Casablanca. Yeah. I also know that that Moroccan tours and tour guides and stuff and people when they talk about tourism to Morocco, they're always like, "Listen." Beautiful country. We've got a beautiful country. Just don't go to Casablanca. It's not, <laughs> it's not worth oh, it. That's yeah. funny. Casablanca is Morocco's Johannesburg. Oh, I see. Yeah. And if they say, where was the movie filmed? What movie? Wait, what movie are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's that's why people want to go to Casablanca. For and quite movie, often tours no. end in Casablanca because, you know, you only need a few hours to kind of gauge what's going on there. But yeah, apparently not such a great city to, to be okay. a tourist. But as somebody who comes from Johannesburg and loves Johannesburg and knows Johannesburg is the oft ignored city oh, in, in South Africa, mm. uh, you know, I've, maybe I've got a soft spot for Casablanca. Yeah, maybe we should um, go to Casablanca. Uh, let me think about it. Uh, no, it wasn't filmed during World War II. I mean, it could have been because the Americans was notoriously late on the whole vibe, weren't they? They really, they like to show up to a war late and with their dicks out. That's what Americans like. As an aside, I think it's jolly insensitive to make a movie about the Second World War during the Second World War. I just think it's jolly insensitive. <laughs> I mean, particularly when it's like a, a romant, allegedly a romantic kind of, I don't know, um, yeah, it's the kind of film they could only really film in that era, isn't it? 
nobody really goes, hey, listen, here's a film really kind of Seinfeldianly about nothing. <laughs> it's about nothing. It's sort of about a couple. It's sort of about people who get together and hang out in this place like cheers. <laughs> it's a bit, you know, but actually nothing happens at the end, really. Like at the end of all of it, we don't get any kind of giant <sighs> sense of satisfaction mm, and mm. learn anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so your final answer is? Curse mm, you, Ryan. <laughs> no, it wasn't filmed during World War II. Okay, sweet. Uh, it absolutely was. Oh, you yeah, son of a bitch. Um, and the story about it, there was a there was a similar movie before Casablanca called Algiers, which had a similar romantic, sad storyline about I loved her but can't be with her because blah blah blah. Not spoiling the plot. See the movie; it's lovely. the The original uh, screenplay is it on Netflix? Um, Algiers? No, no, I don't <laughs> think so. And it was uh, um, the original screenplay was inspired by a trip to Europe. I'm just uh, giving you the facts, the actual facts here, yeah? uh, made by Murray Burnett and his wife in 1938, during which they visited Vienna shortly after the Anschluss. The Anschluss was when mm, the Nazis mm. pulled into Austria, but it was still before they invaded Poland. Um, and they were affected by the anti-Semitism, even at the Anschluss. In the south of France, they went to a nightclub that had many multinational clientele, among them many exiles and refugees, and the prototype of Sam, eh, the old piano man. Uh, in The Guardian, Paul Fairclough wrote that Cinema Vox in Tangier was Africa's biggest when it opened in 1935 with 2,000 seats and a retractable roof. As Tangier was in Spanish territory, the theater's wartime bar heaved with spies, refugees, and underworld hoods, securing its place in cinematic history as the inspiration for Rick's Cafe in huh. Casablanca. The scene of the singing of La, La Marseillaise in the bar is attributed by the film scholar Julian Jackson as an ad adaptation of a similar scene from Jean Reno's film La Grande Illusion five years prior. So taken from bits and pieces here and there. So what's nice about that is it came from this one couple's trip to Europe, mm. you know, and they were inspired mm. so much that they wrote this beautiful all-time classic. And the most recent film I can think of that is about an American's trip to Europe is a Euro trip <laughs> in which, in which the boys get hit on by the strange Spanish man. I mean, school, uh, Italian, sorry. Scusi, scusi. I mean, scusi. <laughs> you know, really civilization may have plummeted somewhat in the last 60 or 70 years. So, yeah, I, I like the fact that they, did experience something, but they just set it in in a in a more Neutral. North African romantic sort of setting. Um, but it did happen, and then they were at this place in in the south of France with all these weird people, and then, and so the imagination got churning. But um, what's wonderful about that is, and then filmed in the yeah, filmed in the bloody middle of the war. As I say, what's wonderful about it is that that it is that quintessential when writers get given advice. Yeah. What do you write about? Yeah. You write about what you know. Exactly. You know, and which I they, agree they with. literally did a thing, yeah. wrote about it, and turned it into one of the classic movies. Yeah. You know that people still talk about on podcasts in twenty twenty three. Yeah. No, I think great. I enjoyed it very much. Watch Casablanca; it's lovely. Yeah. So, all right, this fact is a little bit interesting because it's mainly about South Africa, right? Ooh. Yeah. So, so 
how do you talk about classic movies in South Africa? Well, I'm going to talk about the apartheid government, and I'm going to talk about <laughs> I'm going to talk about the way that our government has treated movies in general since 1996. Um, in so so in 1996, we formed uh, the Film Publication Board, and since then we've we've banned two movies from being mm-hmm. shown. Um, of Good Report, which was a romantic thriller film, uh, which was banned for containing scenes of child pornography that were too real. Okay. And we ba- and we banned another movie in 2017 called Inkleba. Inkleba. Oh yes, yes, yes. Also known as The Wound, mm. uh, which is a causa language film mm-hmm. uh, about a group of young men who travel to the Eastern Cape mm-hmm. for their initiation, and it's about their homosexual relationships and stuff. Okay. Um. Both of which the bannings were overturned in court afterwards. I see. So, so we we had two bannings. My fact is that prior to 1996, on the foundation of this particular thing, the South African government firstly censored 1,300 films a year. You know, they went into films and they cut things and they deleted things and they edited words out and they they adjusted sure. things. Yeah. But my main fact is that they banned 105 mainstream global worldwide released films banned them they were released yeah. everywhere in the world they were banned in south africa i i'm okay with that figure uh i i believe last tango in paris was one of them and then um uh our good comedian friend al Prodgers, uh when it was unbanned he, he went to go see it and uh he wasn't that impressed and the and, classic Bernardo Bertolucci movie. Yeah, well, hey? was that Last yeah, Tango? Last Tango yeah. in Paris. Yeah. He, all, he, all he thought was the famous Marlon Brando butter scene is like. I mean, that's 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 why it was banned. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That film was banned. <laughs> uh, Maria Schneider and Marlon Brando. <laughs> they use butter as a as a lubricant yeah. for their sexual. Uh, and since yeah. then, I'll just said I think well, since that movie, Marlon Brando's eaten a lot of butter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that's a 1978 movie. You know, that's a that's that's some time ago. But yeah, so we banned we banned 105 movies. We, I say, the apartheid government, <laughs> South Africa. Yeah, so you're me, and my chumas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, South Africa government watching a lot of nasty shit. Or well, maybe not that nasty. Uh, I'm happy to say that uh, it's not an unreasonable um, amount for the context. 105. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what, and what if I told you? True. What if I told you that many of these movies were classics? Mm. That many of those well, movies would I fit Last within. Tango I, in Paris is is some kind of eroto drama, erotic drama, but it, it has probably gone down as a bit of a pardon the pun as a bit of a classic. So, so I, I'm saying many of these movies you will recognize the name of as instant classics. Sure, maybe Lady Chatelier's Lover, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Maybe did they make that, a version it... of Lady Chatelier's Lover? I mean, the book uh-huh. was definitely banned in America. There was the court, the massive court case that. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a very famous court case that kind of freed it up to be sold, and it sold in phenomenal numbers, mainly because it was banned. Have you read Lady Chatelier's Lover? Mm, it's good. It's difficult to wank to. Because <laughs> <laughs> they use too many commas and like this long. Sentence. I mean, my word! Just get to the rutting, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, one hundred and five movies. We've had them. You've got to turn a lot of pages. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I'm still happy to say yes. They did ban 105 movies. Are you happy that that's high enough? It, it could be higher. Uh, it could be higher, but I'll 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 stick to 105. It could be higher, but uh, no, I'll stick to 105. Yeah, it's true. It was oh, 105. True. But listen to this list of movies. Amongst the band 105 included 1964 Zulu starring Michael Caine. Uh, 1967's To Sir With Love. Uh, many films with black actors were banned like okay. straight up. Um, but this this one starring Sidney Poitier dealt with social and racial issues in an inner city school. So, of course, it was going to be fucked over. Yes. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, also Sidney Poitier. Mm, like, yeah, of course, it was going to be banned. Bonnie and Clyde. No, oh, really? Yeah, no, historically, no reason given. The one with old uh, Madonna's Warren Beatty. Uh, yeah. yeah, they got pumped at the end, eh? That's right. What a great film, though. But banned. Yeah. Uh, the Graduate. Band. Oh, he had an affair. I'm yeah. gonna see that movie still. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you say, like it's it's all about corrupting our Christian ideology is yeah. a large part of you know, Finian's Rainbow is such a strange one. It's a Francis Ford Coppola directed uh sort of musical fantasy. Uh, starring Fred Astaire and Petula Clark. Like it, you know, Fred Astaire and Petula Clark, it's a dancey. I mean, it really seems unlikely, but um, apparently, there's a, a bigoted and greedy white senator in it, and they didn't want to portray like white politicians as being bigoted and greedy. Which the apartheid government, let me let me let you in on a little secret: were all of white, bigoted, and greedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, easy Rider, because obviously the drug use and oh, everything else. Word. Clockwork Orange, obviously. Yeah. Um, the Exorcist. Yeah. Uh, here are two surprising ones. Uh, Enter the Dragon <laughs> and Blazing Saddles. <laughs> right? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Jeez. The film version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Up in Smoke, the Cheech and Chong classic. Uh, as you said, Last Same. Tango in Paris, Hair, oh the musical, my. Monty Python's Life of Brian, very famously. Oh, yeah, yeah, Monty yeah, Python's yeah, Life yeah. of Brian, to be fair, was banned in a lot of countries for yeah. being like anti, anti-Christian. anti mm, mm. um, In fact, in Sweden, it was sold with a tag li- tagline, so funny, it was banned in Norway, which is like a really so good way to see yeah. Yeah. Um, Friday the 13th. And you know what's funny about Friday the 13th being banned is that I watched it as a child, like 10 years old at my like 10th birthday. So it must have been like 1989, rented from the like, you know, video store around the corner. Oh, no, we all shat ourselves, but we were in that age where you're like pretending you don't shit yourself because of these movies. You're so manly. Nightmare on Elm Street made me shit myself. Yeah. Like literally. No. Uh, no, I, I can I can tell you shut yourself literally during the podcast. Uh, the Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these movies, these are like, these are classic, classic movies. Yeah, all, the, man. all the band. I mean, stupid. No, as I say, only two since 1996, and both of them have been overturned. So uh, so if, if you want to argue about South Africa, you know, maybe, maybe we don't have as much as electricity as we did before. But fuck, we're allowed to watch whatever we want, do whatever yeah. we want. Nobody's going to come and knock on your door and be like, hey, Ryan, yeah, that pornography you like watching. Could you turn that lady Chatelier's... Uh, Ch- Chatelier. Chatelier. Yeah. Chatelier's Chatelier. lover. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about Zulu, uh, I, I watched it not so long ago. Mm, mm. And uh, I, I even watched the credits because I played nice music. They've blown the did bloody I, doors off. No, I'm I, joking. That, I, I know that's from the Italian job. 
<laughs> did uh, did I tell you who did I tell you this fact who who played uh, so the Zulu king at the time was King Setswayo. Mm, oh yes, we did it in a in a did previous we? podcast. Well, That's uh, right. Mangasuzu um, Mangus- Mutalezi, yeah, he yeah. actually plays King Setswayo. And yet, banned with, even with a South African actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's almost it's almost like they don't like uh, Rock's drift. Yeah, strange, oh. very odd. But uh, uh, that brings me to my next fact and. This is an this is an odd one because for some reason this has gone down as one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, that's across the pond, both sides of the pond. In so America. every everybody agrees it's one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, made. On, on there's lists in America, lists in Europe, and of course I'm talking about Citizen Kane. Oh, I thought you were going to start talking about Showgirls. Oh, yeah. I thought you were right in there with Very a stripper good. movie. Showgirls. Elizabeth Barclay's greatest moment. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, very I think good. The, the trailer was like her doing, like just moving on the pole very slowly for very long. Oh, I was like, okay, I'm waiting. <laughs> Showgirls. All right, that's the movie. Wow, good. amazing! And then twenty years later, Magic Mike came out. Fucking hit. <laughs> you know, I mean, Demi Moore couldn't get a break acting as a stripper, but Magic Mike. I mean, I mean, we don't like to watch that stuff. That's the thing about men. We don't, we don't like all that smut. No, you know, women like the smut. Oh, they do. They do. The women, women love the smut. Oh, men, they do. Yeah, men were like, oh, strippers. No, we don't want to watch a movie yeah. about strippers. Um, it uh, gone down as one of the greatest movies ever made, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I did watch it, and I do think it is amazing. Uh, I I I was a bit surprised. I think I was expecting better. Tits. <laughs> Is that what you want? Because men don't like men don't like tits in a movie. That's why Citizen Kane famously, famously, he never got his tits out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Orson Welles. Yeah, not he never once. Never got his Welles out. N- not not once in Citizen Kane. And this is the thing about movies men love. Not once, not once in Citizen Kane did Orson Welles get out his magnificent norks. He <laughs> got his his massive mommy milkers. Not one time. Not one time. You know, it's because it's because men like their movies <laughs> taste tasteful. Yeah, that, you know? it's a it's a lovely tasteful movie. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think uh, the real genius of it is almost like you watch it and and you experience it and it's interesting. And then you're like, okay, that was what I experienced. But then when you read about it, like, oh shit, I, I might have missed that. Oh, that as well. Oh, it's actually made in 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 that year. Okay, well that's very early. I guess that is. What year was it? Nineteen forty-eight. No, it's 19... way earlier. Really? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm not going to say it because it comes into my mind. Oh, really? Choice. Okay. No, it doesn't come. To, I'll tell you. It's in the. It's nineteen forty-one. <laughs> 1941, I was close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's middle also of the during war the bloody again. war again. Yeah, the Americans <laughs> are there fucking. They movies. were like, hey, while you guys are making wars, we're making classic yeah, films. Being neutral is so cool. <laughs> we got so much time on our hands yeah. being neutral. Uh, you um, guys would love it if you could make the kind of cash we're making selling <laughs> you guys weapons. <laughs> and, and so um, the thing about it, which was incredible, was there was a lot of new things in it. Like uh, they messed with the story narrative a lot. Uh, you know, they they start with the end, but then they have this weird thing where it tells you the whole guy's life in any case. And then you start finding out different perspectives almost from the modern um, 
the modern narrative device is called the oh, you can't trust the narrator. Uh, unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. They had it like a bit of that. And you don't, because people are talking about him, you don't really know if what they're saying is true. You get snippets and then it starts to go. But the use of the flashback is one of the kind of, um, it did it very well. It immersed you in flashback. It wasn't it's the, the first movie to do flashback, but really great. And I, I did find all of it, the great, great punchline, jolly profound. I found it jolly profound. That is that when he says Rosebud, he's talking about his butthole. It's <laughs> <laughs> profound. Profound. I mean, the butthole is important. Yeah. Um, Rosebud. There's, there's, uh, there's the great um, tantrum scene. And uh, hey, that must have been an expensive one take wonder. Because you can't cut. Can we put everything back in the room like it was before he epic tantrums yeah um i loved it and uh but here's um here's the fact um it is uh it what is my fact because <laughs> <laughs> the fact was that it was made during world war ii oh yes and was the highest grossing movie of the 40s citizen kane higher than casablanca outrageous i'm pretty sure it was ignored and so then it was okay. discovered later and only deemed a classic later. So you're a liar. Fuck off. I reckon you're talking bullshit. What I <laughs> what I wanna say is how the hell did you know that? Because many things reside in my brain that are not useful information. All right, so you're absolutely right. It released and didn't recoup the money it cost to make. Um so in that regard. Didn't quite nail it. And then was discovered by the French. You might have covered this on a podcast. Now, if, if Orson Welles had gotten his tits out, yeah. who knows what could have happened to the, the he, takings. He managed to raise <laughs> could money. Could have been the avatar of its day. <laughs> I mean, you, you fucked up that room, eh? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, you fucked up that room, eh? Yes, yes, you actually got to check that room just for that. Scene. Well, just, just check the bit where he fucks up the room. And then he talks about his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, this bit of conversation about Citizen Kane is quintessential unreliable narrator, is what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so indeed, and when the French uh, French said, "Hey, this is a good movie," I was just put this in our classic list. Then uh, it gained uh, awareness, a second life, and then it made a uh, a lot of money, and then has subsequently gone down as one of the greatest movies ever made. In fact, I think it was on the it was on that list created at the end in like 1999, 2000 as the greatest movie ever made mm -hmm. of, of the last century. Yeah. So. And uh, Orson Welles was coming off the success of War of the Worlds, which uh, was the radio drama. And uh, based on that, he was able to sell himself and, and they even agreed that he directed himself. So he co-wrote it and he um, starred in it and he directed it. Uh, first time... First time director. <laughs> so an incredible and 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 a, and a beautiful story, a beautiful movie. Interestingly, you, you know, the this is well-known fact, but it's based on probably William Randolph Hearst, a combination of two characters, but he's definitely one of them. And I think he was a Chicago-based media and media mogul. 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 
Like Mogwai. that sounds like like the characters from the Gremlins, yeah, Mogwai's. Mogwai's. Ah, Mogwai's. Bright lights, bright lights, bright lights. Mogul, 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 yeah. And uh, the bugger, William, didn't. Uh, his papers were not allowed to mention the movie, which is maybe why the no one heard about it and no one went to go watch it. What a bugger! Mm. How do you know? Bugger, eh? Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. you know, spoilers. <laughs> Your rosebud buggery. That's right. <laughs> rosebud buggery going on. <laughs> rosebud, get it. I get, I get it now. I see it now. Rosebud. Is that oh, an you, old joke? You, no. Is it your so, joke? Yes, you're so sweet and innocent. But it's very clever to make that analogy. <laughs> Hi, look what you did. Look what you did. Let's leap immediately, taking this opportunity from talking about buggery straight into my multiple choice fact, right? Um, My multiple choice fact is this. There are numerous stories about sexual imagery hidden in the Disney animated movies. Oh, golly. Right? People obviously love the idea of pervy animators, you know, kind of putting these things in kids' movies. One of the following four is actually true. Oh, dear. Yeah. One, in The Lion King, the letters S-E-X can be seen blown across the sky in a swirling cloud of dust. <laughs> Two, Aladdin whispers, whispers the line, good teenagers take off your clothes during the balcony scene in Aladdin. Three, in a scene from 1977's The Rescuers, a topless woman, clearly from pornography, can be seen standing in the window as the characters Bernard and Miss Bianca fly by on the back of Orville the Albatross. And four, the poster artwork for The Little Mermaid includes a tower and a castle that clearly looks like a penis. <laughs> One of those is true. I have no idea, and it's such a fun fact. Uh, I I love um, I love Little Mermaid a lot. Because of the penis on the post, I think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I did thoroughly enjoy the Rescuers. Uh, my my ex wife made me watch it, and then I really loved it. Mm. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, and um, then yeah, okay. So and then the Lion King, the Lion King, the letters S E X in the dust. That rings a bell. And Aladdin. Uh, whispering the line, good teenagers, take off your clothes during yeah. the balcony scene in Aladdin. I, I'm inclined to go. The, the only one I'm not convinced is definitely not true is maybe is maybe the Aladdin one. But I, I think the sex one might be true. The penis, the penis little mermaid one might be true. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, only one of them is check true. Little rescuers. Yeah, I know yeah. that part. Oh, yeah. Cute was your flies on the. Albatross. Um, all right. Time to make a decision. I think I'll go with the Lion King sex in the dust. I'll go with that. I will. All right. All right. Let me take it, take it from the top. So uh, the, the rumor for the Little Mermaid emerged that an angry Disney employee, aware that he was about to be let go, <laughs> put the penis on the Little Mermaid's <laughs> tower. Don't you love them disgruntled employees? There are versions of the poster online now that do include a penis tower. Okay. They're not the original. Okay. You know, the original tower 
I mean, it's a tower with a dome on the top. <laughs> you could say it's a Venus tower, but it really, like, you would have to be, you'd have to be particularly filthy minded to see it. You know, it's just, it's just not true. Um, the artist said he was in a bit of a hurry when he drew it. He didn't really think about it. He drew a dome on top of a thing. You know, he wasn't. <laughs> Quick, draw something. Yeah, you you have to be. I mean, I'm fairly rank as human being, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I'll be honest. I, I didn't think it was a thing. Um, Aladdin, uh, the scene where he whispers, good teenagers, take off your clothes during the balcony scene. The director's commentary explains the line he's actually saying is, good tiger, take off, scat, go. So it sounds like good teenagers take off your clothes to filthy Christians who like to imagine these things in their movies. (laughs) In The Lion King, you definitely can see letters blown in the sky in the swirling dust. Problem is that they are SFX (laughs) and the animators blowing their own trumpets. Is it the rescuers? Yeah, so it's the rescuers. Where there's a porno. That's right. There's an actual. There's an actual. Like yeah, in 1999, Disney was forced to furiously recall 3.4 million copies of the DVD of the sorry the VHS. Sorry. uh, um, After discovery of the controversial image hidden in the background of the scene. So the shot is they fly past this building and in the windows and there's clearly a woman that's been cut from pornography. Her tits fully out on display in the background it appears for only two frames so at the time whoever put it in there was like it's never going to be seen because the technology would never let you see it you know like so it was only with the advent of vhs when you could start pausing stuff and slow motioning it that you could actually see this particular image like whoever put it in never ever ever thought that they would, oh, they would take I it out i wonder if they ever found out who put it in so there's various rumors there's rumors that disney actually knew it was in there and didn't give a fuck until the moment they they knew it was in there then they forgot it was in there released the vhs and then we're like ah oh, shit we released this thing then there's also there's a claim that it wasn't the animators, it was somebody in post-production who just glued the little thing over the over an empty window and thought That's it was hilarious. But, but yeah, like it's actually it it was actually there. They've taken it out now, obviously, for any subsequent uh, visions, but but that one is one hundred percent true. Shame. So that yeah. to rescue <laughs> the three thousand three point four million. Three point four million. That's, oh, that's terrible. Oh my yeah. word! But as you say, good movie. If people haven't seen it, they must go watch it. A lot of those late seventies, early eighties Disney's movies don't get a lot of credit. You know, it's a, it's the Rescuers, it's a Fox and the Hound. Oh wow! Um, I, I personally am a big fan of the Black Cauldron. Though people say it's Disney's worst movie. Okay. I, I really loved it. It was one of my my favorites as a child. But that's all that kind of late seventies, early early eighties. There's a lot of good films it's in lovely. there that people haven't heard of. And should go and see. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a few uh, animated ones in my multiple choice. Um, in, in doing this podcast, it occurred to me what an incredible decade the 30s were um, as well for movies. Incredible. And also war. Also war. Oh, incredible you know, big finish. War. Big finish on the 30s. They love, you know, really, like if you were going to end the 30s on a war, a world war is the way to do it, you know? So my my multiple choice uh, is which which of these movies is not in the thirties? Mm. It was not made in the thirties. Uh, we got ourselves um, the Wizard of Oz, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Pinocchio, and Gone with the Wind. So Gone with the Wind definitely is later in the thirties. Yeah. So we are, which of these is 
is not only one of them is not in the thirties. Uh, the Wizard of Oz. I'm pretty sure it's got Pinocchio, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, this is so so, so Snow White is is the first. I mean, it's not the first animated Disney movie because the way that the the film registration board recognizes it is a movie is anything over 40 minutes and there is a compilation of disney short films that was released before snow white that's 41 minutes long and is officially their first animated movie so wow a lot of people still think it's snow white so snow white was their first one i think pinocchio was the second one um i mean hi ho hi ho it's off to work we go there was snow white yes and then if you wish upon a star that, that was, was Pinocchio, yeah. Pinocchio. So, so yeah, them I could believe with the thirties. I'm gonna tell you a story about. I'm gonna tell you a story about my grandfather, my 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 parent, my dad's side. Yeah, my grandfather, my grandmother, they were together when they went to go and see Gone with the Wind, and they had oh. to go and see Gone with the Wind seven times because my grandmother loved it so much, <laughs> and my oh, grandfather wow. fell asleep in it seven times. Oh, that's and, 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 you know, that's like, like to me, that's, that's a story of real real romance. Yeah. Why would you go and watch a movie seven times with a woman that you fell asleep oh. in every single time unless you really liked her, right? Um, yeah, I think the sweet story. I but, love that. But they were born 1917 and 1919, I think. So if it was in the 30s, they would be 20 years old. Maybe they were dating in their 20s. But he definitely went off to war. And my feeling is that that Gone with the Wind is significantly later. I, I would have said it was, if I was to guess, I'd say 1940s sometimes. Yeah, so it's Gone with the Wind. I'm going to say Gone Your with the Wind. Your final answer, Gone with the Wind? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have exact dates. I'm not going to do a countdown for you. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Okay. You're wrong. It's um, it's Pinocchio. Gone with the Wind is in the 30s. Huh. Yeah, they're all ro- very late 30s. These Gone with the Wind in the 30s, Wizard of Oz in the 30s, and uh, yeah, Wizard of Oz we knew because I discussed it in 1939, right? Snow yeah. White and the Seven Dwarfs. Quite right. Before Pinocchio, Pinocchio in the 40s, huh. 41, maybe 40, 41, but right, right early in the 40s. So it's a bit of a tricky bastard question. It's interesting because it puts, it puts my it puts my my grandparents dating in their early in their early twi- like 18, 19 oh. years old, and then going on and living their lives together basically forever. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them and their happy relationship for 50 odd years. You know, like honestly. Uh. Oh. So lovely, so lovely. Yeah, yeah, really nice. That was a lovely show. Now we've come to the end of it. I've got to go and watch Ben Hur. So. <laughs> you do, you do, and I've got to go and watch Rosebud, but not not the movie. I've just got to go and watch porn. I'm grab a few beers <laughs> yeah. and sit and watch Ben Hur because it's a long, it's a long. It movie. is a long movie. I might have to download it off a dodgy Russian. No, I think you can get it basically for free somewhere on the internet. Okay, good. No doubt. No Don't doubt. have to go to. A yeah, Russian, it may be it may be Russian out of bot. it may even be out of its copyright thing. It may not even be illegal to download. Oh, that's anyway, good. thank you very much for watching this instead of watching yes. Ben Hur, because you could have done that. You could have watched Ben Hur instead of watching this podcast. So like, subscribe, share, please. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, and join us next time. Thanks for being with us. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.